Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, coverage of the death penalty. So three and a half months ago, the Trump administration announced the resumption of the federal death penalty after 16 years without any executions. Those executions will start rolling out over the next month or so. And one of the things we wanted to talk about here was the coverage of the death penalty in general, but especially the coverage of the federal death penalty. Considering how big a shift it is and how the federal death penalty is coming at a time when state executions are declining and, in fact, public opinion against the death penalty is rising, there's a lot to parse here about the media coverage of this and how the press might do a better job. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Robert Dunham, who's the executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center. Welcome, Robert. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for being here. Let's talk first about the federal death penalty. I mean, I I see a lot of stories that focus on the victims, the victims' families. Is is that still the norm? Well, the quality varies greatly. Uh, And when you when you're looking at coverage at the local level, the reporters don't have the expertise in criminal justice as a whole. Right. So you tend to see coverage that is driven by the police and the prosecutors. Right. Uh, just like when you look at local TV, you know, we've, no- we've noticed for years that uh, if it bleeds, it leads. It is easier, especially with a small news staff, to follow whatever it is that the police are saying, whatever it is that the prosecutors are saying. And this is something that we're seeing now, uh, very interestingly, in the jurisdictions that have elected reform prosecutors, because for years and years and years, newspaper reporters have relied on a particular group of sources, uh, many of whom have been fired when the, when the reform prosecutors come in. Uh, and now the reporters, having established uh, a long relationship with the people who had been, uh, at least in the eyes of the reform prosecutors, uh, practicing law and prosecution badly over a long period of time, uh, we're seeing a lot of stories where these sort of unnamed uh, former former prosecutors are sources in attacking the reforms that <laughs> the new prosecutors are putting in place. So they didn't even bother getting new sources. They rely for analysis on the people that they have relied on for years. Uh, And when that analysis is from a particular skewed perspective, that's hard to change. When When the new prosecutors came in, they thought that their hardest job was going to be to change the culture of the prosecuting offices. Uh, I think one of the hardest jobs is actually going to be to change the culture of the reporters who are covering them. Wow, that's so interesting. And have you noticed, you must deal with a lot of journalists who call, especially as these cases get closer and closer. Are they more skeptical in the way they deal with you? Are they? Do you find them less receptive to evidence that you present or arguments that you make? I don't, uh, but that's mainly because the Death Penalty Information Center doesn't take a position for or against the death penalty. Uh, we take a position that we want to tell the truth. Uh, and I will spend... I'll spend not just minutes, but I'll spend hours uh, with reporters to try to make sure that they understand what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the tendency, the tendency is, because it's, it's an events-driven business covering the news, that uh, whoever it is that is releasing the information is going to get the lead in the story. So you will see in a lot of the death penalty coverage, especially locally, uh, that it is about who's charged with the crime, uh, and that person is generally referred to, if they've already been convicted, uh, as the killer. 
Uh, and then they're going to emphasize the gruesome facts uh, of the crime. Uh, and if their source has been the prosecutor, you're likely to see the prosecutor talking about appellate delays before you ever get into the defense evidence uh, that the defendant might well not be a killer at all, mm -hmm. might be innocent, mm -hmm. uh, and that the supposed defense delays are a result of the prosecutor withholding exculpatory information uh, or that the defense was provided by the state inadequate representation at an earlier stage, and there is uh, a tremendous amount of new evidence that might have changed the outcome of the case and led the jury to spare the defendant's life. Mm -hmm. So the, this events-driven type of coverage uh, tends to still emphasize uh, the more salacious aspects of the circumstances of the offense and, and, and tends to support the status quo. Mm -hmm. uh, I I was talking not too long ago with one reporter whose headline writer wrote something that was different from what the story itself said. And the headline writer said, killer scheduled to be executed. And the story was about how there was evidence that the person on death row might have been innocent. Mm -hmm. To describe in a headline that, that, uh, that the killer did this, presupposes that the person is actually the killer. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the headline writing uh, biases the perception uh, of, the, uh, of the entire story. Many people don't get past the headline. Yeah. And so they see that, and, and that becomes their perception of what the events are. So headline writers need to be much more careful uh, to ensure that the words they use are accurate. Mm. So give me a sense of the landscape um, in terms of the broader policy approach to how reporters should be writing about these cases. In, I mean, each each individual case, as you mentioned, has there's a lot to explore in terms of. I mean, you know, you know what what is the what is the evidence on both sides of what, what are the prosecutors saying, and what new evidence has emerged, and how do you play both of those? But if if people if reporters writing about this are just trying to say. What is? How do I frame the overall debate about the, especially the federal death penalty, and and how does it play with the kind of increasingly siloed nature of our politics? Because yep. it's it's really, I mean, the the polling data shows that there's pretty widespread rejection, right? On the public attitudes about the death penalty, support for the death penalty has fallen from 80% in the 1990s to about 55% today when you ask the simple question, do you support or oppose the death penalty? But Americans' views about the death penalty are more nuanced than that. So for the first time since Gallup began asking the questions, uh, although 55% say they support the death penalty, only 49% believe that it is imposed uh, and carried out fairly. So for the first time, fewer than a majority of Americans say the death penalty is fair. Mm -hmm. When you then ask the more policy-oriented question as opposed to the hypothetical question, what do you think the appropriate punishment is for murder? Uh, you find that more Americans believe that a long prison term or a term of life without possibility of parole is more appropriate than the death penalty. Uh, and that's an important distinction to make, uh, because if you ask the question straight up, do you support or oppose the death penalty, um, you're going to get a very different answer. Many of the people who oppose the death penalty uh, as a policy today will answer that question saying, yes, they support the death penalty. Mm -hmm. But the death penalty they support is not the one that we see in practice. 
So it's you know it, you, you have to take a look beyond the question itself and, and look at it uh, in greater detail. When folks are uh, given information that 166 people have been wrongly convicted and sentenced to death and exonerated mm -hmm. uh, since the 1970s, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, probably more than a dozen innocent people have been executed and dozens and dozens more uh, who are innocent were likely sent to death row, some still there, some had to uh, plead guilty to things they didn't do in mm. order to obtain release from prison, uh, then the support for the death penalty drops. When they hear about the cost of capital punishment, uh, that it costs more than um, a system whose highest punishment is life without parole, then support drops. Uh, and when you say, uh, would you like to keep the death penalty or take that cost savings and use them to solve uh, cold cases or to increase the amount of compensation that is available to family members of murder victims, you find the death penalty support drops even further. So you've got to be much more nuanced, and those are the types of issues that need to be covered but tend not to be covered. So you're describing this gap between what people say they support and the details that actually contradict their support. And is that a, is that a failure of journalism to, to convey what's really happening? Or is it part of this kind of identity politics where the death penalty, penalty has become the thing you support if you support one side or the other? I think it's a failure of coverage. We're seeing less of the death penalty as a political weapon. Uh, than we did a generation ago. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, in the 1990s and the late, late 1980s, if you opposed the death penalty or you were portrayed as opposing the death penalty, uh, it was political poison. Yeah. Uh, that was used in presidential elections. It was used in gubernatorial elections. Uh, it was used in state and local elections across the country, mm -hmm. uh, and it was very successful. Now, the background level of fear in the U.S. has dropped significantly as murder rates have fallen. Murder mm. rates have fallen by a third since the 1990s. Uh, and there has been much more uh, that we know about the way in which the death penalty is administered uh, and in the systemic failures of the criminal justice system as a whole. Mm -hmm. So the fear-mongering that was present uh, in the 1990s and that was covered uh, very broadly because it sold it made good stories, it made salacious stories, it made sensational stories, uh, and you know it was something that today would be referred to as clickbait. Uh, that sold. Well, now it turns out that it doesn't sell so well. And it doesn't sell so well because it turns out that people are not as scared as they were before. Mm -hmm. uh, people are increasingly concerned about the damage to society that's caused by mass incarceration, uh, and the death penalty is kind of a red flag for a criminal justice system gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Nobody over-pursues the harshest available punishment and is fair in everything else that they do. So we've seen that attacks on public officials recently in, in elections based on having for governors imposed the death penalty moratorium uh, or uh, on local prosecutors for not having pursued the death penalty in a particular case have not been successful. Mm -hmm. In fact, if anything, we've seen the opposite at the local prosecutor's uh, level. In, uh, in 2013, we took a look at 
all the counties in the United States that use the death penalty. And we found that 2% of all the counties accounted for uh, 56% of everybody who was on death row. Uh, and we looked at who the um, most prolific death penalty producing counties were. It turns out that in the top 1% of counties in the United States in terms of seeking and imposing death sentences, one-third of the prosecutors in that top 1% uh, are now out of office, mm. and most of them have been replaced by prosecutors who said that their goal was uh, to reform the criminal justice system, uh, and they intended to use the death penalty sparingly, if at all. So if anything, what we're seeing at the local level uh, is that over-pursuit of capital punishment has begun to be uh, a political drawback, and opposition to capital punishment uh, is no longer uh, political poison. And every presidential candidate, every major Democratic presidential candidate now says that they oppose capital punishment. Right. That would have been unheard of uh, a generation ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the rhetoric that's coming out of the White House. And that's what's very interesting, because the question was always going to be with this administration, uh, were they going to be like prior administrations, Democratic and Republican, who had been following the national trend uh, in the way the death penalty was being used? Or were they going to become an outlier? As, as I mentioned, you know, the death penalty is used very rarely, sparingly, uh, across the United States. And if you've got 2% of the county is responsible for more than half of death row, uh, you're seeing a real geographic concentration among outlier counties who overproduce the death penalty. The federal government was much more like the states as a whole, uh, in which death sentences had dropped precipitously. We've seen a decline of 85% in the number of new death sentences uh, from the mid-1990s to the present. And that's instructive because crime is down, violent crime is down by one-third, right. but new death sentences are down by 85%. Was the federal government going to be like the states and pursue the death penalty less? In the prior administrations, both Republican and Democratic, that was the case. Uh, so what we've seen now with this administration is that it has all the characteristics of an outlier. Yeah. Uh, and what that means is that they are not following the views of the American public as a whole. Uh, they are using the death penalty for political purposes as opposed to trying to implement it as a policy. And this policy-politics distinction, uh, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. Because when we look at the outlier counties, uh, the ones who overproduce capital punishment, we find that there is much more in the way of prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, there's much more in the way of not regulating police misconduct. There's a lot more racial discrimination. Uh, there are a lot harsher punishments or, or, or harsher treatment of juvenile offenders, a whole range of things. And we tend to see in trying to carry out executions that there is an expanding veil of secrecy. Yeah. We, don't get to, we don't get to see key parts of the executions. We don't get to know uh, where the execution drugs are coming from. We don't get to see what the level of training is of the personnel who are carrying out the executions. Uh, all these things that are kind of the antipathy of what you would expect in a government of the people uh, and for the people. 
uh, where you shouldn't be hiding critical information from the people. So which way was the federal government going to go? And uh, it it seems clear that the Trump administration has chosen the outlier path uh, as opposed to following what the rest of the country is doing. And you you talked earlier about the level of fear that people have in the country has gone down, but that's not the policy of the administration. The administration's policy is to amp up the fear in general. um, That's that's right. So let's, let's finally just talk about what journalists can do to be better. This coverage of the death penalty suffers from the same issues that coverage of everything else, climate or immigration or income inequality does, which is just a lack of resources and an an incredible winnowing down of the number of journalists in the field to cover anything. And this is just one example. So given that that's the reality and we're not going to be in an era where news organizations are going to be adding people just to cover the death penalty and you're going to be dealing with a lot of generalists who are going to be coming in to cover these events as they happen. When you sit down and talk to editors or producers or reporters, how do you tell them to sort of think through this and frame it so they don't make some of the mistakes that you're talking about? Well, I think where where they know that it's going to be an issue at some point, you need to have some place where you can get the basics. Uh, and I mean, that's what the Death Penalty Information Center hopes that it is. We have uh, our, our website with thousands of different pages of information uh, on all the various different issues that are present uh, in, in death penalty. And among our biggest consumers are, are local journalists who, mm-hmm. come, who come to the website and look and try to get information quickly. That's why we're here. That's, that's what our goal is, to try mm-hmm. to make the information available. Uh, I, I think that it's important that folks get as quick an understanding as possible about what the real issues are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once that understanding is there, you can cover the policy uh, as, as opposed to the, uh, the political dimensions of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that when we look at death penalty coverage, we're seeing that over the course of the last 20 years, in general, reporters are beginning to get it. So that at, at, least, at least in jurisdictions where the death penalty is uh, imposed more frequently or there are these old cases that are coming up on review for appeals, uh, that as reporters are exposed to the death penalty more and more, uh, they are beginning to report how costly the system is. They're beginning to report that the single most likely outcome of a case is going to be that it's overturned in the courts uh, and that the execution doesn't get carried out. Uh, They're beginning to understand that um, victims' family members have divergent views uh, on capital punishment, and it is not fair uh, to report that a death sentence is justice for the victim's family uh, because that may or may not be the case. So uh, I think they're getting better at recognizing the difference between myth, propaganda, and the truth. That's something that I think is a good sign. Uh, But that doesn't filter down to the more remote counties where there are fewer death penalty trials, fewer death penalty cases. They are still covering it like it's a football game, and here's prosecution on offense, uh, and there is the opposing team on defense. Right. 
Robert Dunham is the executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center. You can go to their website, deathpenaltyinfo.org, and it's 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 amazingly rich. This this site has got a lot of news, and if you scroll down, there's a state by state tally. It gives you which states have and which ha- don't have the death penalty, and there's a there's a tab where you can look at upcoming executions and get information on executions scheduled around the country. Robert, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You can read a Q&A with Robert on CGR.org now and also check out everything else going on in the media world and subscribe to our daily email, The Media Today. I'll see you next week.